0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Life, Love, Marriage, Divorce, the podcast. I'm your host, Monique Davis-Dotts, and I have a very special guest. Welcome, my dear guest, Angela Anderson-Hart.
1: Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me today. I am honored to be at this, is my first podcast interview, so <laughs> it's kind of exciting for me that someone wants to hear about my very unorthodox life, um, <laughs> so I'm well, glad that
0: you asked. Oh, well, I'm very appreciative. And when you say unorthodox, we're going to dive into why you have defined your life unorthodox and why it is important. I'm just going to put in, you know, to add this, to live in the most authentic place as possible. That's life. And if there's anything unorthodox about that, then... I could just call it all good, right? Yeah, <laughs> same. If you can, if you can be who you are meant to be, or who you are becoming, right, or who you are at that present state in life, and it's authentic, then you live in the way you're supposed to live. That's right. Right. One hundred percent. you know, um, I would like to start with. Okay, you were you born and raised in Texas? I was.
1: Yes. So I have. My mother was raised in Kingsville, Texas as a military brat because um, Kingsville is a NAS, air, Naval Air Station. So my grandfather, Archie, was a um, mil- uh, in the Navy. So that's how we ended up in Texas. And um, when my parents split up when I was three months old, mm-hmm. uh, my mother moved back down to Texas, South Texas, which we are considered the valley. Um, and I was uh, raised around my grandparents in the Kingsville, Corpus Christi area.
0: Okay. Nice. Nice. And then, um, so you said you didn't know your dad, what they divorced at three months. Wow. Yep.
1: Yep. She left. Um, there was you know, obviously infidelity, alcoholism. Um, she just took me and my two brothers away from that. She removed us, um, from that and, and I never knew my dad. So um, not to say that he didn't wanna know me or I didn't wanna know him. It just, we were 2000 miles apart and mm-hmm. it just didn't happen. My brothers did like eventually as males are drawn to do n- and know their dad, they mm-hmm. did live with him in, in their older years and, and know him, but I never, I never did but and never he did. passed away when I was 15. So. Do you
0: do you miss now? now uh, what you know now, as a mom, um, do you wish you would have had some relationship with him in the fifteen within the fifteen years, or whenever you could have reconciled a relationship?
1: Well, I was trying to explain this to my mom um, the other day, and I, I don't want to get too far ahead about my own son, um, but I you can't miss what you've never experienced. And so I didn't miss as a child having a dad. Mm -hmm. So I only realized the value of it with my first husband, because when I met my first husband, um, he was a single dad to a five-year-old daughter who he had custody of. And so, um, when I witnessed that relationship, that it was only then, and I was already in my twenties, when I realized what I might have
0: missed. I got you. I understand that. That makes a lot of sense um, because a lot of times we don't realize or we aren't awakened to certain experiences. situations or experiences in life, yeah, um, until a light bulb moment or something occurs to. To, buy, to make us think about it or cause us to think about it.
1: Well, I had to see a father daughter relationship in order and then, and live with it obviously for 10 mm-hmm. years um, before I actually knew what it all entailed. Right. I just, right. I never had it.
0: Right. And then I, w- I would believe um, that your mom did such a great job and that you're with your brothers and your family unit, you guys had that, that closeness and that bond that it would be, it, it, it would feel like this is normal. Like this is, this is life. So I don't, well, I, you know what I'm saying? I don't well, know. Especially now in 2022, but I
1: wish back then more people saw that as a family. Cause that's a family. Yes. Uh, my son and I, we're a family. There's right. just two of us, but yes. we're a family. My mom and my three brothers, my two brothers and I, we were a family. Mm-hmm. There's just so many different types of families these days yeah. that people now realize that that nuclear unit is no longer the norm. Okay,
0: and the nuclear unit being a mother, being mom, uh, dad, and 2.5 and, and children, and 2.5 children. Okay. I, I'm definitely, we definitely have evolved from that, right?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glad, or I wouldn't have my son.
0: Right. So, okay. So you became a teacher. Why? What was it about teaching in the beginning for you?
1: So I always wanted to be a teacher mm-hmm. always. And so I actually, Kingsville is where I'm from is a, um, not only a Naval um town but it is also a, has a university. Okay. And so, um I my mother never went to college. Um nobody in my family went to college. I I only went to college because that's what my friends were doing. Those women right there, they you know, so I I they were going to school. I went to school. Well, um and so I wanted I always wanted to be a teacher so when I followed my f- best friends to college. I, um, that's what I majored in. And my first job, my first teaching job was actually in Kingsville, Ricardo, mm-hmm. a little farm town called Ricardo, Texas, um, uh, mm-hmm. teaching kindergarten with these beautiful women who mm-hmm. had been there for how 20 plus years and scooped me up and took me under their wing and were just, amazing and lovely to me. And that was my first teaching job. In, so you had
0: in, a, a really great experience. I did. I did. Teacher, teacher. So what drew you, because I met you um, with my, my daughter, you were her teacher at Hunter's Creek elementary um, here in Houston, Texas. How did you get to Hunter's Creek?
1: Well, my first husband was working on the King ranch for Exxon Mobil, Okay, and he's from Houston. Mm-hmm. And so his little daughter was going to a little private elementary um, school that I worked at. Mm. Um, and that's how I was I, I was in college. I had four jobs.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, four I, jobs in college?
1: Trying to support myself. Right. I, I never had any help once I left home. I left home 18. I never yeah. Yeah. I had nothing, no help, not a dime, nothing. So it was sinker. It's always been sink or swim for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had four jobs and one of them was at a church, um, taking care of the babies. Okay. And one of them was at Epiphany, which was that my, um, first husband's where he had his daughter, my stepdaughter, Elise, and then one of them. And then I worked at two restaurants. So, <laughs> so
0: was, you're a busy lady. You're a busy lady.
1: I, I always <laughs> have been. So, um, I met him, and he was from Houston, and we were together, um, and he got headhunted to go back to Houston to work for Hess. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, we're moving to Houston, and I said, you're moving to Houston. <laughs> 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 I didn't want to leave my hometown. I had this beautiful job that I, kindergarten that I loved. And all my friends were there and my mom was there and, and I was very scared to Mm -hmm. to leave. It was the best thing that could have ever, ever, ever happened to me was to move out of that town. Mm -hmm. But um, that is how I ended up in Houston. We moved to, um, I don't know if I'm sure, you know, where Georgetown townhomes are right by Rummel Creek elementary. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, um, that was my first little house in, in Houston. And I taught, I got a job teaching at Ridgecrest elementary for spring branch, mm-hmm. which was, it's North of Hunter's Creek. Mm-hmm. And, um, I taught there for two years. And then, um, after two years there, it was rough, like rough, hmm um, mm-hmm. I was, it's a whole nother world on the north side of the freeway. Yeah, um, yeah. like one of my parents of my children was selling drugs on the corner. Um, that like that kind life, of rough, yeah. My life was threatened because I called CPS on a on a mom's boyfriend. Like oh gosh. that kind of rough. That
0: kind of rough. All the things that people don't really understand that teachers go through. Yeah, I mean- no working phone
1: numbers, pay, getting my babies off out of their cars and they smell like weed. Mm-hmm. Um, Just, just things you just awesome. can't imagine. Yeah. And yeah. My, I, my husband at the time was like, you know what, if you don't find another teaching job this next year, just go ahead and finish this year out, but you're done. And I was like, you're right. I am. Yeah. I, I, and Ironically, I, um, that's how I got hired at Hunter's Creek because I hadn't found a job over the summer. Mm -hmm. They, that the year started, that was the year we got hit by Ike. Mm -hmm. um, and in 2008 Mm -hmm. and the first grade was too big and they had to create a new classroom and they needed a teacher. But how do you find a teacher when the school year's already started? And there I was. And there you were. Mm-hmm. Like that, in that. That's how I ended up at Hunter's Creek in first grade again with <laughs> some amazing women mm-hmm. uh, who took me under their wing and are my lifelong friends to this day. To this day.
0: So then um, you decided to leave teaching. I did. What made you make that decision?
1: Well, I taught kinder for three years and I thought, okay, oh, I, I maybe this isn't my forever job. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll move to another grade and it'll be better. Mm-hmm. So I taught first grade for three years and I was like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe this isn't my forever job. This is very hard. And like, you know, you, you, if you care, the job is very hard. If You care. Wow. And so... Then I got moved to third grade and it was much more manageable. Mm-hmm. I only taught um, math and science, which is when I had Indy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miss Ford taught language arts and social studies. And even though I had double the kids, it was a lot more manageable. Mm-hmm. And I did that for four years, but three, again, three years in, I was like, okay, this isn't my forever this job. Wow. And And even the teachers that were retiring would tell you at the time if the job was like this when I started I never would have made it to the finish line um so I you know teachers retiring Mm -hmm. I think is like a
0: thing of the past (laughs) nobody stays in it it anymore no one stays in it I know it's It's it's, a shame it's sad and I what do you think as we talk about it? My um, my nephew's wife, she's an assistant principal, but she was an educator and she taught. And she's like right now, as an assistant principal, she can't keep teachers. She can't yeah. find teachers. Yeah. Um, what what's the big shift? Is it the kids? Is it the parents? Is it all of the testing um, with the state? Is it what 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 changed? What was the shift? Because that was the job where you know, people navigated to teaching. Now they don't want any parts of it. No.
1: um, I I remember, I remember a lot of it's the testing, um, Mm. but it's happening nationwide. And I don't know if they, they don't have the star test. I don't know what they, other states do, but I rem- like we have to give all these practice tests and then we take each question and we have to break down how many kids miss that certain question and then we get in a meeting with the other teachers and they'd be like how many kids in your class miss that question oh so miss so-and-so must be teaching that objective better than you and then they're just like pitting teachers against one another and it, you know and it, it was just I was like oh my god like we're down to breaking down tests by questions and objectives and how could then we have to pull each kid and talk about why they meant it was it was brutal okay and i I was like Uh,
0: i didn't sign up for all of this
1: oh my gosh and and i um i really love teaching
0: yeah i
1: really actually enjoy it and i enjoy the kids they're hilarious
0: yeah
1: um third grade ended up being my favorite grade um but about my ninth year I went to real estate school mm-hmm. this summer mm-hmm. and I wanted to teach another year to be vested in my retirement you have to teach ten years mm-hmm. and so I taught 10 years and you know you have to put in your like your leaving whatever your letter of resignation or whatever like march April which is early mm-hmm. um, and I was so nervous but I applied to a grad program to get my master's. Mm-hmm. And um I was like it they only let in like 20 people a year. And I was like, if I get in, I'll quit. If I get in, I'll quit. Thinking yeah. I wasn't gonna get in. <laughs> and then I got in. <laughs> <laughs> and I had, I had to quit. And I was like, oh man, I said oh, I was gonna it. quit. Yeah. So I, I bit the bullet. I got into the uh counseling program at U of H.
0: That's a good it, program too.
1: Yeah finished too um so i actually have my master's in counseling but i haven't used it because my life blew up and i thought that i was in no shape to help anybody could barely help myself
0: <laughs> and so i uh, <laughs> i'm just but, you know, but sometimes we give great advice and counselors can see based upon this is what i this is what i've come to realize um because you know how they say psychologists need psychologists psychiatrists need psychiatrists like we all need someone um yes
1: one of my grad school friends was sitting right across from me last night, talking about a trouble she's going through. Exactly,
0: right but I think sometimes with that, um, when you are going through things, and of course you need time for healing and, and growth and all of that, but a lot of times when your life appears like it's in disarray, you can see or be that forewarning to the next person to help them navigate detour or try to not go down this path because of that experience. And to me, that's the best kind of counseling um, or being a teacher or friendship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: That you can come from a different place of clarity um, to know I'm listening to that, what you're telling me. And that's something that I just experienced. I'm going to give you this Um, to me. That's, that's, that's pretty good, you know, but I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Like, I need to figure out things before I go and help somebody else. Right. I'm a mess. Which we all need, which, <laughs> we all need. <laughs> so, which we all need. Okay. So you say you're a mess. So let, let's start with, okay. So you got your master's, which I'm so excited that you got your master's. I'm very glad. Yes, proud I of you. did. I, good but marriage.
1: during that, like when I had already, um, so my first marriage had already dissolved. I, um, left. Because okay, so let
0: so let's put a let's put a pause because you said that your life was a mess, and we're talking about grad school. Then you go, okay, well, I was married, but then I I, I left. So let's go into that relationship. Yeah. You're with your husband. You guys had moved, you know, to to Houston. He he's a um, he had custody of his daughter.
1: Mm-hmm. I was a stepmom. You were stepmom.
0: And- and when people think stepmom, they're like, oh, you had her every other weekend. No, yeah. no you're, you're a mama. She's I had her full time. Guy, full time. Yeah. So tell me about that relationship. Okay. So you true. said I do. And then you decided that uh, I, I don't. What happened? What made you say I do? And then how did you get to the place where you knew you needed to, to leave?
1: I married a man about eight years older than me. Okay. Um, We met, I was 22 years old, Mm -hmm. he was 30 and divorced and had a child.
0: So he had life, he had life experiences that you didn't, that you didn't. Okay.
1: So I didn't get a lot of grace, I want to say from him maturing growing up, but um, I will say as um, a unit, Mm -hmm. he was always very supportive of me as a mom to his daughter. So um, it was whatever you know, you know how kids are. Yeah. You can ask dad, don't get the answer you want. Go ask stepmom. And he would always say, well, what did Angela say? Well, that's my answer. Um, okay. So so I, l- luckily we were always a united front for her. Um, she's, <laughs> she's 22 now. Oh my gosh. She's 23 <laughs> in wow. July. Yeah. She's a grown woman, but and I can't wait till she turns 23 because I'm going to, I'm going to message her and I'm going to be like, this is how old I was when I met Not you. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, I was 22 when I met her. So yeah. anyways, I married somebody that had life experience and was focusing on his work. And I obviously wanted to be a mom. I wanted someone to call me mom. Um. Um and nine nine years in, he said, I, I changed my mind. I don't want children. Oh really? I don't, I don't want any more children. And by that he was 38, nine. And um I said, Well, then I changed my mind about you.
0: Mm. Wow. I left. Well, I mean, if you came in thinking that we're gonna start a family and then well-
1: we had a discussion and he when we that our first date how many you want kids i said yes i want two and mm-hmm. he said would you settle for one okay at okay. that point i didn't know that i had infertility problems
0: okay. so do you think that if you knew you had infertility problems infertility problems um, would you have stayed in the marriage was the marriage pretty solid it wasn't because I'm going to say it doesn't seem like, you know, because when you're in it, you're in it to whatever degree we're going to make this work.
1: If you've been married, you know how hard it is. You
0: know, you know, it. yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, girl. I was, 20, I was 22 when I got married, turning 23 the following month. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely understand. I and wasn't it, happy. Yeah. You weren't happy.
1: So the, the cherry on top was, and I, and who's to say he was happy. Maybe he wasn't either. Mm-hmm. We're friends now. That's good. And so, um, but he didn't speak to me for five or six years. Wow. Or leaving. Wow. Yeah. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. And I was already 30, 31 and I wanted a child. Wow. And I was like, well, I got to get going. I got I to gotta go find my forever man.
0: <laughs> so then, okay. So you, you leave that marriage, um, took some time for you guys to get back to the place of communication and Hey, we were healed. What happened, happened. Where we can be friendly and especially yes. you having a what still having a stepdaughter she's gonna be your stepdaughter forever forever want,
1: because you know? I raised her for almost ten years exactly you can't yeah.
0: just walk away from that and I say walk away in parentheses, but you understanding like a well, relationship with kids is just a relationship just kind of like with your students you you love them, you know you are a part of their life um so you. Leave that that marriage with and nothing. With I had
1: things? nothing. <laughs> so I move in this little apartment I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I made
0: $3,100 a month mm-hmm. um,
1: and I made it work. You made it
0: work. Hey, you, made, it was, but it you're a survivor. Life. You have that strength. Yeah, like like you said, it's either sink or swim, right? Yeah, and I don't know swim. where I
1: got it from, but I got it. Yeah, so I. I made it work. I moved about 10 minutes down the road in this cute little apartment um, on Memorial. And it was just so lovely and peaceful. I will always think fondly of that place. Mm -hmm. Um, and I started over.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So then what happened? Because you would meet someone. Six Mm -hmm.
1: months later.
0: Six months later. Okay. So tell me
1: about this. And I had no idea um, what was about to, it hit me. (laughs) So (laughs) um, I met my second husband. Um, He lived across the street from one of my friends. And even when I was married, I wasn't very happily married. My friend would say, you need to meet him. And I'm like, I'm married. Mm -hmm. Y'all would be perfect for each other. You Mm -hmm. need to meet him. Wow. And I and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I saw him and I was like, oh, I need to meet him. <laughs> I need to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> He's cute. Yeah. Uh, so um I think I was 31, 32, he was a year older, very handsome. Um, was in school to get his undergrad. He, he had been a pilot. A helicopter pilot um mm-hmm. he'd been in former military and he was going to u of h getting his undergrad in um nutrition because he, he had dreams to go to med school mm-hmm. so i'm in a you know i'm still teaching i'm in my last year or two of teaching and he's you know in, in in school and we meet and we're just enamored both of us just mm-hmm. silly 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 mm-hmm. and I find out that he has a, gotten a vasectomy. Like he did it in his early twenties. The you military, so- the military did it.
0: Oh, what? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, they, and I'm like, well, we, we can't even, us women, we gotta, that, they wouldn't even let us do that. Um, What's So that? we gotta ask permission <laughs> from every Tom, Dick, and Harry. So anyways, <laughs> um, I told him, you know, a couple months in, I left my first husband because I want children. Mm-hmm. This has been really fun, but I I really want a family.
0: Right.
1: And he said, that's understandable. And we split up for maybe a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in my beautiful little apartment and I'm like a month later, and I'm like, why did I do that? I was having so much fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and I was like, just because we're dating doesn't mean we're going to end up together.
0: Right.
1: Why, why don't I just go? Yeah. Keep having fun. Yeah. So I called him back and I said, I, um, I changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really want to see you again. And he was like, well, what about the kid thing? And I said, Yeah, we're not getting married. We're not having children. We're just having fun. Right. (laughs) A year later, I wake up. He's in my apartment. Mm -hmm. He shuts his laptop real fast. I said, what are you doing? And he said, I was looking into vasectomy reversal.
0: Oh. And
1: I I was like, oh. Okay. Find anybody good? (laughs) So he, we weren't married. We weren't even engaged, but he, he reversed his vasectomy and I thought, okay, there's a future here. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, that point I, and we move into a little house together, um, and we're happy, happy. And we start talking about getting married. And, um, so we, we did. We went to, you know, I was now a realtor mm-hmm. and we got married in Belize. Wow. And um it was just his family and my friends. I don't really have much family. And my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, one of my other my other brother passed away oh, wow. um when I was 23
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was 26. So um oh,
0: my
1: goodness. So um anyways, happy, 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 right? until it wasn't and um he got into med school
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and we decided like he had to move to arkansas and i was finishing my last semester of grad school Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and he went to med school in arkansas and i was going to move there at the end of the semester after his first semester and i don't know what happened i probably know never know really yeah. But he flew home. The house was packed. We're ready to go. And he says, I don't, I can't do this. I can't be married. I don't want to be married. I don't want children. I don't want anything. I, I, I can't do any of this any longer. Wow. And at that point, we had three frozen children.
0: Are you serious?
1: Yeah. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I was like, what, so what are you talking about? <laughs> so, like, where did like, it come from? Because just- he, he had just been home for Thanksgiving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Three weeks later, he flies home and tells me, I can't. can't. And, and, and I don't want to tell his side because I, I can tell you what I think it is or was, but it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. If, if someone's telling you what they can't do, not, hey, how we're going to work through it they have already made a final decision about their life. They're, you know, what I've come to know, what I know to be true today is that when someone makes a decision, it's not your job to unconvince them. Yeah, and who you know would, if you have respect for yourself, who would want to? Exactly, but so many times we do because we don't understand and we want to fix it. And, you know, you know we, we women, we can go through all of those different steps. And men, some men go through it as well. Um, But I've just come to learn that, you know what? I don't wanna control anyone to control them to be with me. That's a choice. So you, hey, you have permission to live your life the way you need to to live your life. You want someone to desire to be with you. Um, And even if that means that they desire to not be with you, it's their choice. Um, from what you're saying, what do you think? I mean, no, you can't speak for him, but if you had to assess the situation, what, what do you think happened? Do you think he went to med school? He found someone else? Um, well,
1: I, well, I'll tell you what I think and what I know. Okay. Um, I know my husband loved me very much.
0: Yeah.
1: You can't fake that for six years or yeah. you just can't. Um, I think I married a man that was, um, very successful in everything he did Mm -hmm. military, um, helicopter pilot, very, um, I'm going to use this word machismo because I'm from South Texas. I I hope you understand what I'm trying to get across a man's man. Like, you know what I mean? And he went to med school. He was the oldest one there. The kids called him dad. He wasn't doing well. Um, he started, he using marijuana, drinking a lot, mm-hmm. um, using Ritalin, to stay awake to study. Um, it was a perfect storm,
0: right? Right.
1: And um, his dream is was to become a doctor, and it was blowing up in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the me over here going, I want kids. I want a family. I want, you know, and I like, I, so, in. I think he's like, I can't handle, I can't do that. I can't even do this right right now. And I need to focus on this. And so, um, and there was some, some cheating, Mm -hmm. um, infidelity, um, that, you know, I figured out later he's or he's living in married housing on a college campus so
0: anyway well it was just a lot of it it appears a lot of personal challenges that he was dealing with that overwhelmed him it so, was stress and it, it was, was say, coming from this position where you've been successful to new challenges can be very stressful yeah and he's
1: like he's got some ptsd that came out from the military and it was just everything just eked out like a pressure cooker. Yeah. And you know, the, the suicide rate in med school is high. Mm-hmm. There has been research done about people who become schizophrenic in med school because of the stress. Wow. It's there.
0: It's too much for some. For some. Um, so really in essence, A part of his love for you was to free you from the pain that he was going through. And sometimes we take it as as a personal attack or that we have done something when it has nothing at all to do with us. I hope that he's okay. Have you been in contact with him or?
1: Well, the story gets much more interesting. (laughs) So... Um, so I moved to Arkansas. The house is packed up. I already had a house rented. I was like, you know what? You're out of your mind. I don't know what's wrong with you. I didn't, I didn't at the time know about the cheating. Right. Uh, so I moved 10 minutes away from him yeah. and I was like, we are going to figure this out. I, I love you. I yeah. you, like, I never loved anybody this much. Yeah. And so I um lived there for six months mm-hmm. all by myself. Probably saw him three times while I lived there, maybe four. In six months. Three yeah. to three.
0: Are you serious? So he avoided you.
1: Uh-huh. Well, because when I did see him, I saw him. You saw, you saw all of it. He avoided me because he knew that I would know that it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and so um that is I'm I'm glad that I experienced that it was a very low time in my life but had I not been there I wouldn't have seen the things that I saw learned the things that I learned and I um packed up and and I came home I I, I was calling his family at that point mm-hmm. saying hey someone needs to get out here yeah. uh, you know and help this he doesn't want my help, right. so, but maybe somebody well, he'll accept their mm-hmm. help. help. People only will get help when they want help. And that's, help. Yes. Yeah, that's true. You know, you can't make anybody do anything.
0: So then what happened? So you moved back. Have you, what did he call you when you moved back? No, no. So let me ask you this in the three to four times that you saw him within the six month period of time that you lived there, how were those exchanges? Sad. Was sad? Wow.
1: Well, because I, I know this sounds nuts, but, um, it was a culmination of conversations and, um, phone records and bank statements, but literally I went to sleep and I woke up and my, I sat up in bed and I said, Oh my God, he's cheating. Mm. Like like my brain figured it out in my sleep. There was no other explanation. Right. So I waited. Mm-hmm. I sat on this information. I knew I was right. Mm-hmm. I waited till Friday night. I knew that he would be in another state. Mm-hmm. Personally. Mm-hmm. I knocked on his door and he was so out of it he opened the door and stumbled backwards
0: oh my lord it was
1: eight o'clock and i look at his ottoman and there's liquor bottles and beer bottles and weed and i sat on the couch of him, and i said i already know i just need to hear you say it and he's like i don't know what you're talking about i said but you do yeah you do know yeah I need to hear the words come out of your mouth. And he said, well, I guess we're going to be here all night. I said, well, I guess so, because I have a big cup. I've poured an entire bottle of wine in it. Now I'm just going to sit here. So he realizes I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. And he says, is this about Ursula? I said, yeah, I need, I need to hear you say it. And so he, I won't say what he said, but, yeah. but um, I got my confirmation
0: mm-hmm. that
1: that too was going on. And you know, like my like you I'm this strong woman my whole life. I'm like, if I ever get cheated on, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm oh, leaving, I'm leaving. Yeah. oh yeah. And then it happens to you.
0: Right.
1: And that was not the feeling that I had. I did not want to leave. Mm-hmm. I respect people like yeah. who stay and work it out. That's hard right. work. That is hard work. That is that, hard work. That's hard
0: work. That's that's what forgiveness looks like. Right? That's right. But when and, a person is a repeat offender. Yeah. Bye. Uh, you gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. I, I mean, because, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, well, how many times am I supposed to forgive you? Because the minute I trust you, you do the same, commit the same offense. That wasn't and isn't who he is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and I knew that. I knew it was more so of looking for some kind of validation that he wasn't getting from me. Mm-hmm. A. I wasn't around and B. Mm-hmm. I, you know, our relationship was so strained at that point. He had already told me he didn't want to be together, but I wasn't accepting that. And so anyways, that came out. Then I might've saw him a week or two later. And I told him, I I do want to stay together. I do want to work this out. And he, his eyes filled up with tears. And he says to me, you will never look at me the same.
0: Oh, I told him,
1: that's for me to decide.
0: Let, let me decide. Yeah. But what had ha- what he knew within was that his demons or what he was dealing with was greater at the time than you was trying to be in his presence to make it work. He knew what he was capable of or what he was going to continue to do. Yeah. And you would not have looked at him the same
1: probably not
0: yeah. <laughs> I, well, I'm I would. Saying if he if he was not willing to give up the things that were adding the stress to his life to cause him to make those decisions
1: Bad. yes yeah yeah
0: you know what I'm saying so yes. no you wouldn't have looked I'm not talking about the woman okay no. that that's a byproduct right yes I'm talking about the, the the things that he was doing to himself within that wasn't healing. That you couldn't fix. Nor did he. he That's an inside job. There you go. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't at that place. So you wouldn't have been able to look at him differently. Cause it would have been like, why aren't you trying to help yourself?
1: And he wasn't.
0: Right. Right. So. (sighs) Okay.
1: I went home. I went home after six months of that. It was time to throw in the towel. And that was one of the saddest days of my life. I (laughs) I hate giving up. You know, I hate giving because up because you've me.
0: already swam. You, yeah. You, you've never you don't sink. But see, this is the thing about, you know, we we mm-hmm. say okay, you either got to you're going to swim, you're going to uh sink or swim, right? The thing about sinking is honey, the the good Lord always throws a life preserver in there. So you can't drown, you can't sink when the good Lord is always on your side to pull you up
1: that was a rough year
0: yeah yeah 2018 (laughs) yeah that was a rough one
1: it was a rough year
0: so let me ask you this as as we move on now you said that with him you had three
1: frozen babies
0: babies. two boys and a girl so you were having challenges yes
1: I, I, we got, when we got married and, you know, we're not careful and I hadn't been on birth control at that point in like five years. And I'm like, well, this is, maybe I should look into this. Mm-hmm. And I had had several surgeries on my uterus because I grow polyps okay. and they, they make my flow very heavy. And then I start to become anemic and need blood transfusion. So then I got to get the polyps cut out. Anyway, it's like a whole cycle. cycle. And and I was always worried that every time I got these things cut out, that it was scarring my uterus Mm -hmm. where no baby could actually attach. And Matt and I weren't trying to have children at the time. We just were not, not trying. You know what I mean? I understand. So I go to a fertility doctor. There's a blood test that they do to test your egg reserve. And mine was almost in the donor egg range, really like really close. And he was like, your chances aren't that great to have your own kid, especially because Matt had had the reversal.
0: Right. We had
1: him tested first. It was okay. But between his and mine, they -hmm. were like, never will you do it on your own. Okay. Like organically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I decided to try IVF. Mm-hmm. That is a brutal path. Mm-hmm. It is emotionally, physically, hormonally awful. It's awful.
0: So, so give a, give me a little, What what's the routine of an IVF um, patient? So you
1: obviously do like tests, blood work, Mm -hmm. hormone tests, you know, figure out if you can even, if your eggs are even decent enough to have a child, Um, then they give you all these drugs that you need to buy that are a bazillion dollars that insurance doesn't cover. Some states, yes, ours, no. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I spent at least $11,000 on meds oh my goodness. Yeah. And you, you know, inject, 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 and you're going for blood work and you're going for scans and you're going for blood work and you're going for scans and they're looking, it's insane. And then they like, okay, yeah, you have 11 eggs that you've made, which I mean, my other friend I taught with, um, she had 20, Um, you know, so Sometimes your body makes them. I had a friend that she made two, um, because of all these drugs. And so I made 11.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I put you under, they take these eggs out. Holy moly. I was in so much pain after that. They aspirate these little eggs out with a needle. They poke your ovary and suck them out and they poke your ovary and poke your, oh it was
0: goodness. I was in so much pain, um, How long does it take to heal, like, feel better?
1: I felt like every step that I took resonated in my ovary and was, Mm -hmm. it was so painful. I was fine after about four or five days, Mm -hmm. but it was terrible. Not as terrible as my C-section, but terrible. (laughs) So, so, um, I have these 11 eggs. Okay. I don't regret much in my life. Mm -hmm. I hate say I regret, I I will never say that. I will always say that taught me this. Okay. I like that. but I actually will tell you that I regret fertilizing all of my eggs. You regret it. And why? Well, you'll know why. So (laughs) I, I, you know, have these 11 eggs. I'm like, Matt, do you want to fertilize them? Not fertilize them. What do you want to do? He's like, no, let's just do it. Let's get it done. Let's, you know, whatever. So we fertilize all 11, mm-hmm. six make it, mm-hmm. right? So the five-day blastocyst that they grow in these little Petri dish- dishes, They, I decided to do the testing on the eggs, mm-hmm. did, um, DNA testing. Well, three of them were bad, mm-hmm. like extra chromosome, missing chromosome kind of thing. So I donated those to science. Now I have three good eggs, two boys, and a girl. And we decided when we're ready for kids, we'll try this. Mm-hmm. Right. But we knew he was going to med school. So I didn't know when that would be, but I didn't care. Cause I was, I just loved my husband so much. Right. Um, I was willing to put that on hold until he was ready. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, it's 2018. I've moved back to Texas and I'm like, what in the hell am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go find another man and try to get married and have that is the most. Yeah. A literally sounded like the dumbest thing in the whole world to me. Tried that twice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And B also sounded terrible because I didn't want anything to do with anybody. Right. So I was too sad for probably a year, a year and a half to do anything, mm-hmm. even think about anything. And then I was like, let me go talk to the fertility doctor. And man, I just was so embarrassed and ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sat in his office and I just cried. And I
0: cried. Oh.
1: And he, this man is so nice. He's mm-hmm. the nicest man with the best bedside manner ever. And um, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to have my ex-husband yeah, at the time? He wasn't my ex-husband, but am I just going to have his baby? Like that is crazy. Right. Um. And he was like, Angela, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just do some tests. By that time I was in donor stage. Mm-hmm. There was no chance for me to, A, get pregnant on my own or B, even have my own. Mm-hmm. All my eggs were gone. Mm-hmm. And he said, Your choices are you can have a donor egg and donor sperm, or you can have the ones that are frozen. Mm -hmm. It was an easy choice for me. Right. But when you do that, you have to legally get them signed over to you. Right. And so I sat on that information for a while thinking, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, And finally, I just, I messaged Matt Mm -hmm. and I said, I need to have a conversation with you about our embryos. Would you please call me when you can? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He called me within a minute. And I said, this is the situation. I know, you know what it feels like when your body doesn't do what you want it to do. Because at that point, the stress of med school had given him MS. Oh, and I said, are you going to give these to me before I start playing a lawyer to do anything?
0: Right.
1: And he said, Angel, I'm going to do whatever you want. And I still sat on it for a while. Cause I, I'm a huge believer in mindset.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had personally, driven to Arkansas and saw him and had the signed over to me. And when I left there, I just, I just wasn't ready. Yeah. I understand. Like in his mind, he thought I was going to be doing this. Well, I don't know when he, what he thought in my mind, I knew it was soon. Right. But I did not say that to him because yeah. to me, it didn't matter because I was moving forward without him. So whatever timing he thought or I thought was never mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I drove home with my paper,
0: <laughs> like I got, I got you, babies.
1: I got you, babies. First step It's the first step. Okay. And I, um, I started looking into um, infertility acupuncture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they have some clinics several in Houston, they're called the Axelrad Infertility Acupuncture Clinics. And I go and I just to see what it's all about. And they're like, well, this is what we do for 12 weeks or something, you know, maybe like, whatever, to your to acupuncture your uterus. And so I did it. I um, went there every week, they put all these needles on my uterus, they warmed them up, you know, I'm like, i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna implant this baby okay i start the meds now this time you know before when you're growing all those eggs they're just little tiny needles going in your belly
0: mm-hmm.
1: now these are you know the shots you get in the rear end at the doctor mm-hmm. uh, every day i'm giving myself these shots in the rear end oh my <laughs> so terrible I am so terrible. And so I'm doing that. I'm doing the infertility acupuncture. Two of my friends from Kingsville come up. They celebrate my 39th birthday. And the next day we go to the clinic and implant that baby. I didn't know, obviously, if it would work, if it wouldn't work. You're not supposed to test. Um, Or do any? Of course, I cheated. Of course. So,
0: so when they put they put it in you, he's already. uh, So how do they? Okay, so explain because you had three. Yeah. So what what happens? You just do one. You do all three. How does this work? So because I had done the testing on them,
1: and they knew that they were good eggs. Because like those three that I donated that had the extra chromosome or the missing chromosome, usually those will naturally abort. um so if i had just like not done that they might have put more than one in but because mine were tested and of my age because i'm um what do they call it geriatric geriatric um i um he's like i'm only putting one inch
0: okay so then to the other two
1: they're still frozen
0: they're still there okay um (laughs) So okay.
1: in my mind, I'm like, if this doesn't work, I have two other chances. Okay. And that'll be that. Right. Okay. And okay. I'll have to, if I can't be a mom, I knew I wasn't um, a fit for adoption.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I will fall in love with my life some other way. Okay. And so lo and behold that it worked. It worked. <sighs> Yay. <laughs> So they put him in and, and I, he's five days mm-hmm. and so then I start testing. I think I think I, I wait I might have waited five days. I couldn't wait anymore. And I <laughs> and I see a line and I test the next day and the line's another line. Another and line I test the next day and the line's darker and I'm like, oh my god, yay, yeah. it's working. Um so he attached and at the time I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. I actually told the doctor, let's leave something to God yeah um, you pick and don't tell me. yeah. And so he did. yeah he, he picked the best looking um embryo mm-hmm. and he implanted and that little boy attached, and um, there I was, pregnant, pregnant. thirty nine, single, and the world shut down about two weeks later.
0: Is't that something? And no
1: more IVF was done for months and months and months and months mm. and maybe the rest of the year.
0: Really
1: They were not doing that procedure any longer because it wasn't medically it's, yeah. necessary.
0: So say elective
1: yeah yeah it was elective. Mm-hmm. So all elective surgeries went out of the way a week after I implanted. I think we shut down like March 20th. I implanted yeah. March 11th, right? Yeah.
0: Look at I mean just that I'm oh like oh my goodness. Oh my oh goodness. goodness is right because I and because you're the timing of it all when you just sit back and you think about if I would have waited two more weeks or if I had to go through some big battle with your ex-husband over Yeah? You wouldn't have been able to even start the process. No. alone until two years to where we are now, right? Yes.
1: And I would have already been past 40 and I don't know why, but I had it in my mind. I want to have a baby before I'm 40. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm pregnant, the world shut down. I'm a real estate agent. All my deals fall out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I have no income. I can't show houses and I'm living off my savings. I was supposed to have to stay home with my baby.
0: Right. I'm like, this is just. Can can I get a break? (laughs) Can I get a break, please? Lord, help me. Tell me everything about Archie Paul. Oh my gosh. Archie was
1: born in uh, the day after Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and um, emergency C-section. Emergency. It was, I had COVID pregnant Uh, back. We finally got to start showing homes Mm -hmm. um, and a father's day weekend. I get sick March, April, May, June. I was 18 weeks pregnant Mm -hmm. and um, they don't know much at the time about pregnancy and COVID and whatnot, but uh, my doctor was in her sixties um OB forever very I liked her so much she had been my OB since I was 26 years old and so um she was like I need to watch you very carefully number one your IVF number two your geriatric number three you now have COVID and we don't know anything about anything so now I'm getting all these extra scans and she's not telling me something Mm. probably not to scare me because I don't know if you realize but what the whole time I was pregnant I never put it on social media. Yeah. I was fearful that something would happen the whole time. Right. That yeah. my dream was so close. Mm-hmm. Um and so I didn't I didn't until my my baby shower when I was eight And that's when old. I saw I saw that beautiful post. I thought it was time to to not be so scared to try and be happy to try and celebrate this thing that I wanted for so long. That was finally happening. And I, anyway, what they were, are realizing about mothers pregnant women with COVID is that sometimes that the um, placenta gives out early with COVID because the cord is compromised. Mm -hmm. and and different viruses, not just COVID flu, whatever can compromise the cord. So she was watching me very carefully. And, um, she's like, I'm not going to take it early because I wouldn't let her. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's like, but if you make it a day past 40 weeks, I want that baby. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, you can have him 40 plus one. so I went in the day after Thanksgiving because I was due on Thanksgiving and she started to induce and things kind of started to go hair, get hairy. And, um, my best friend, my lifelong friend was there with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's fair to mention that, um, obviously Matt doesn't want to be a part of this baby's life, but his mother, who's a wonderful woman has chosen to be, a grandma and so she was at my house had been at my house for two weeks taking care of me my best friend goes with me to um the hospital and my placenta started peeling mm-hmm. and so they took him within 20 minutes
0: had to uh-huh
1: and um he was fine things were good um my I, my mother, my best friend left the next day. my mother-in-law ex-mother-in-law stayed for two weeks, and then she left. and then it was me and the baby, a two-week- old baby. and I was like, <laughs> "What now?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, what now? What now? And um, and a mom, that's what now. It's yeah, us. this our family. What now? This is my family.
1: I made it myself. You did
0: it. it. I love it. I love it.
1: So I um, I was by myself. And, you know, I will sadly say, like, every married woman that has children, uh, that's my friend, Mm -hmm. said to me, it will be easier by yourself. And you do it all anyway. You do it all anyway, yeah. And there's no one to resent for doing it wrong or not doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. So that,
1: I mean, that's
0: a different conversation yeah, for a different day. I, sad. Need, I need those girlfriends to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but it did me- give me some piece of comfort. Yeah. 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 When, when you say you're alone, but I understand what you're saying. Okay. I don't have this life partner with me nobody to bounce ideas off of. So I'm making these decisions, you know, alone. Um, yeah, I, I definitely understand that. So what, what do you love about Archie Paul? Man,
1: my son is the happiest child. Uh, and that might be because Mama's happy. He is such a joy and I really am lucky because I, um, I know there are babies out there that just cry and cry and cry and cry and, cry, and that would have just sent me right over. <laughs> because, I was we already we
0: both can't be crying tonight.
1: I know. <laughs> I was already tired and alone yeah. and uh, luckily I had a good baby, like a good baby. And my 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 mother-in-law, my ex-mother-in-law, she Um, you know kind of set things in motion routine wise while she was there she's four children so Mm -hmm. and she had them in her bed no hospital Um, she's hippy dippy like that but uh, I mean she knows babies and um, so she set me up in the right direction and then a couple weeks later my best friend came and she has a son and she stayed a couple weeks and helped and then you know, I just like I got by with little visits from my family. Right. Family in quotes because they're who I have. Right. And um we made it. And it was hard. Yeah. There's no I did not take the easy route. Um
0: <laughs> so but, but you I took, you took the route that was made for you. Yes.
1: And I knew, I knew that if I didn't try, mm-hmm. that if I didn't try to be a mom, that I would be 65 and sad about my life Right. and the route that I decided to take because it was the easy route. And I remember my broker at the time, who's a lovely woman, but she was like, I can't, you're doing this and you might regret it. And it might's it's going to be so hard. And I was like, so I shouldn't do it because it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. That's silly. And, yeah. and I know a lot of people that are single women might not do it because you worry about, oh, what others think of me, you know, like, oh my God, like ha- I'm pregnant with my ex-husband's baby. Like it, it sounds insane. Mm-hmm. Um, people,
0: whatever, but you know, see, this is the thing. This is, this is why I wanted you I wanted you to be on the show because we have to dispel the assumptions that we have that we know somebody's story when we don't. This is, uh, many people are going through this right now and they need the support to know that they can overcome it even if it's challenging and hard and then making a decision that is authentic for your life and making decisions that's going to bring you peace And, and and joy and happiness is That is quality of life. Anything outside of that is inequality of life. You are not giving yourself the best overall situation for your own success. Why inflict that kind of pain on yourself? Because you're worried about what somebody else is thinking about and you don't know their story.
1: I know. Go live
0: your life. And I, I commend you. I applaud you for that.
1: Thanks. I, it's, yeah. I did not take the easy route, but I will say that having the experiences that I've had, mm-hmm. losing a brother, twice divorced, literally losing the love of my life, having a baby by myself, mm-hmm. all of that right. gives me eyes that are non-judgmental.
0: That are non-judgmental. Exactly. And the compassion Um, to be able to share the story of encouragement. See, uh, you're crying, you're gonna make me cry. Happy tears though. They
1: are, I'm not. But see,
0: this (laughs) is the thing. You said you always wanted to be a teacher. You have never stopped. We are teaching at this moment. You have never stopped, you will never stop. And that is the best life lesson, not only for those kinders, for us mature (laughs) folks as well for us who are going through the IVFs for us who are going through the divorce who who go through the career changes
1: um to know
0: that you are still a student in this thing called life and you're learning and you're also teaching that and if you can get to the place that you just said where we're not judging other people's based on their stories because that we don't know that's the best kind of education. Lord, that's the best education that yeah, we can give one another.
1: Yeah, but yeah. hopefully, we can, um, some people can get there without having an, an immense amount of sadness. <laughs>
0: so, because yeah. I don't, you know, I don't but wish that, that's the part of it, you know, like there are things that you're going to be able to teach Archie about life to help him not have to travel the scenic route if he doesn't want to. Yeah. But if, you know not. what I'm saying? If he doesn't want to. But to know that no matter what, you're gonna be okay, kid. Yeah. But we are always swimming. We yes. don't sink. He is going to be kids. okay.
1: And I, don't get me wrong, I'm not a man hater. I know there's value in a father. I know that even though I didn't have one. I I know that there's value in a father. Mm -hmm. Um, Will he ever have one? I don't know the answer to that. Will he be okay if he doesn't? That I do know the answer to. Yes, and the answer.
0: Yeah, he will be. He'll be just fine. And the other thing about it, you have a great relationship with your brother. I do. Um, you probably have male friends, like he's going to have an influence of men where the things that you feel that you aren't equipped because you know you're not a man, not a man. right? That you'll be able to pull those folks, the part that family in to be able to help and guide you. Um, and, and he will be able to find the things that he he needs to be successful from his mama and from the from his tribe the people he has a tribe tribe, right
1: yes and it's enough
0: yes love if you have that then you got it
1: well he's got that that for sure i like that kid yeah well you know what
0: i i like this interview thanks (laughs) <laughs> I really do. I really like this interview. And I like, I, I, I know that we have enlightened, uh, we've educated, we've encouraged many people today through your beautiful testimony. And I cannot thank you enough for sitting at the mic with me to share it and just your beauty and who you are and who you are becoming. Never, never stop. Yeah. Never say never. Never. Oh my goodness. Never say never. That's a whole nother show, right? <laughs>
1: I will say the things that have happened to me in life um, have taught me to never say never. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, your imagination isn't big enough. You have no idea what's to come.
0: You don't. You don't. But you can embrace it and accept it Mm -hmm. and know that you're going to, like you just said, you know, going to be like, Archie's going to be okay. Mama's going to be okay. And wow. mama's happy. Mom's yeah. happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the smile. So I'm content. I'm yeah. content in life. Well, that's I, good.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for sh- sharing your story. I, I mean, this has been great. I appreciate you.
1: I, I hope my
0: unorthodox life gives somebody some hope. Oh, definitely. I know it did. Angela, I can't thank you enough for sitting at the mic with me and sharing your beautiful testimony, um, your strength, your courage to become a mom. It was a journey, a journey that is authentic. And I know that it blessed the listeners, especially someone who is traveling a similar journey, be it divorce, be it IVF be it being a single mom, understanding that you always swim and you never sink. Because when you have a tribe of people who support you and love you, when you have an inner strength to know what you know what you know, that you can succeed against all odds, that's all you need to live a life that is created and designed by God for you also unfortunately there was another mass shooting in Ubalde Texas 21 lives lost 19 of them children um, I have no words my heart is sad so I'll talk about it next week but please pray For those families and for the community. Um, All I know is something has to give. Something's got to give. Until the next podcast. God bless.